Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yeah. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Track and the Storm podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Brandon Stanley, joined solely by Matthew Soma tonight. Uh, Alex, unfortunately, got caught up out in the real world. He might join us later, but for now, it is just us two. But instead, we are very excited to welcome another special guest onto the podcast. Uh, the North Carolina State Ice Pack are fresh off a rock-solid 2-1 trip to Nationals. Um, they came up just short of the medal round. Uh, after running into the top overall seat, University of Mary, they were the hometown team in this year's uh, Nationals tournament up in North Dakota. So a tough loss in that last game, but still a fantastic showing for our local college club hockey team. Tonight, we welcome the captain of that stellar ice pack team, Eric Todd. E.T., thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show, buddy. Uh, and congratulations on an awesome season uh, and another ACC title. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So uh, we'll jump right into this so we don't keep you too, too long. Uh, so first off, just kind of tell us a little bit about club hockey in general, because I, I think there's something of a stigma around it. You know, it has that club moniker before it. And, you know, I can even say for me, I, I played on the team a few years ago. Um, I kind of showed up and was just kind of expecting a bunch of college kids drinking beer, going to parties and stuff. <laughs> and uh, but then tryouts came and I'm like, crap. Like, I'm probably not even going to make this team, and I barely did. <laughs> so can you just kind of give a little background to maybe help people understand that don't realize how like competitive it really is? Yeah, definitely. So obviously, I think a lot of people have the same idea that you did about it, and that definitely was true in the past. Like, in the past, even from my freshman year to this year, the difference is astounding. Like my freshman year people were hanging out like here's a great example we'd go get cookout after practice every thursday night (laughs) friday game no matter what like we just go get cookout now it's like you're watching what you eat you're working out you're like it's just become way more competitive because we've realized that you know we have a lot of talent we have a lot of fans like there's a lot of support to let us do whatever we want to do. And obviously everybody wants to win. Like that's why you play. So being able to be competitive is just a whole level to club. That's not, you don't see that in other club sports that have varsity sports. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, so you guys have, you got players on the team, like Riley Johnson, who played in the BCHL, you know, you got Chris Solomon, Alex Robinson, Parker Zarek, like there's some nasty kids on that team. And, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting to see these like super talented players that you maybe wouldn't expect to see at North Carolina state playing club hockey. 
So do you think it's kind of becoming like a legitimate option, the ACHA, North Carolina State, to for maybe players that like, you know, they're super competitive and maybe aren't tracking towards going pro? Yeah, I think it's become that. Like, it used to be like, oh, I'm going to go play club hockey after I'm done playing hockey, right? But now it's like, obviously, some of these guys like had injuries that stopped them from going like NCAA, D3, D1. Um, but I think it really helps that the talent is there and that, I mean, every guy that you just mentioned played here growing up, like youth hockey in Raleigh. Right. So it's like, once we got my sophomore year was when Parker Riley and Alex Robinson all came. And once they came, it was like kind of a snowball. Cause that was why Chris Solomon came Griffin hunt, like, cause they knew him from growing up and they're like, Oh, this is like a legitimate team. Like we're playing to win and it's going to be fun. Right. right. It almost kind of speaks to how local hockey has grown, even in the past, you know, 10 years or so, you know, I mean, it's kind of crazy seeing guys that grew up playing, you know, junior canes, like uh, Tyler Weiss, for instance, coming out and getting drafted by an NHL team. And I mean, local hockey is coming a long way here. And it's really cool to see that. But so since you guys, you know, pay your own way here, it is a club sport. So, I mean, you know, scholarships aren't an option for you guys and you guys give up a lot of your weekends you know what does it mean to you guys like to have that group that you guys are just doing this because you love hockey that much um and you're willing to sacrifice all these things like does it make the success at nationals more worth it for you guys because there is kind of that you know prize yeah definitely i think it means a lot that everybody is here because they want to be and for no other reason. Right. Like obviously some guys will get burnt out at some points during the season or something, but they're going to keep coming back because at the end of the day, everybody is here because they love to play, love to play the sport. And like, sometimes you won't see that in other programs where it's like, I'm doing this because I have a shot at going pro. Like it just feels a little different. Right. And, you know, since you guys have been so successful and especially your conference as whole as a whole has kind of really exploded in terms of talent. Can you kind of speak to what you've seen come out of the program and since you've started there? That's one of the things that um, after our last game at Nationals, like after our season was over, uh, Coach Tim was talking about how far like specifically this senior class has brought the program. Because when we came here, it was like, I think Cam was probably one of five, six guys that played junior hockey. Everyone else was just like, oh, I'm playing this for fun. And that group is like, I mean, you know, Rourke's done huge stuff for us. Like as an organization, like financially getting us like together more Um, and just like, all those guys have brought the program so much further than it was when we came in, in so many different ways. And then with, you know, obviously this year was different to say the least with, you know, COVID and everything. Um, What did NC state have to kind of change this year as far as protocol and, you know, how you guys practice? Cause I know it's different for every sport. Yeah, we had a, at the beginning of the season, we were talking to club sports, trying to figure out, like, are we going to be able to play? Like, will they club sports 
allow us to because ultimately it was their decision and i'm not sure exactly what the specifics were but we were allowed to play um and so at that point we're just following the rinks guidelines um which was we had you have to wear masks on the ice like the entire time you're in the building even while you're playing yeah, um, those pictures <laughs> yeah we had funny. to walk here's a really funny one we had to walk all the way around the rink to go to the stairs to our locker room. Oh God. What? Because they don't want people walking past each other. So like the exit is one way and then the entrance is the other way. Was this at the performance center? Yeah, we had to walk. Oh. So we play on, I think, I think it's the red rink. We walked all the way in front of the stands to go to the door. That's on the other side of the rink by the benches to go up to our locker room. Jeez. So it was just like, <laughs> they were really careful. And I think, I mean, it sounds silly, but we also didn't have like we had a couple guys get it from roommates, but there wasn't really any time when the whole team was out with COVID. So I guess at the end of the day, it was worth it. Yeah, Um, (laughs) I mean, you know, the fact that you guys were able to play, I mean, it has to be really cool because I mean, you know, we've seen, you know, even kids in the OHL couldn't even play this year. So it's really awesome that, you know, club sports were able to play and that you guys were able to do it in a safe way while being able to at least, you know, have most of your roster intact. Yeah, right. exactly. And there were a few teams. Uh, we actually talked about this a little bit before, you know, UNCW and UNC, a couple of schools that couldn't play. But nonetheless, luckily, the ice pack did get to and uh, they had a fantastic season because of it. So speaking of that, um, we'll go on to nationals a little bit and talk about that. Uh, you know, as I said before, you guys finished two and one. The only loss came against the top overall seed, University of Mary. Um, and I saw you guys' non-conference schedule this year. And you guys played, like, some of the best teams, you know, uh, Florida Gulf Coast, Liberty, some of these, like, really, really nasty programs. And um, so what was it like, you know, how was that different from years past where, you know, to be honest, I don't mean any disrespect to these schools, but – there isn't, hasn't been that much of a challenge with these ACC schools. You know, like some of these schools are getting beat 14-15-1 by NC State. But this year, you know, the ACC schedule was a little bit shorter and said you're replacing them with these games. So talk a little bit about that and maybe if that prepped you a little bit better for Nationals this year. Yeah, for sure. That's definitely been the goal the past couple of years is ramping up our strength of schedule because – Two years ago, that 25-0 and year, it was really cool. And, yeah, we made nationals, but we barely made nationals because we didn't really play anybody. Right. We played a couple of teams that were ranked, and that was it. Um, yeah, Delaware and every one other team I can't remember. <laughs> yeah. And so that's been a big thing is playing the Gulf Coast, the Liberty. Um, like, even next year, I think we're going to be playing more teams that are – ranked top 10 15 because ultimately that's who you're gonna have to beat at the end of the year so right. if we plan to prepare then we'll know what's coming at the end of the year right and didn't some of i think it was liberty didn't they play um they played at least one d1 program this year right so we yeah so we played both Liberty's D1 and D2 team, we played their D1 team as our first game of the year. Um, their ACHA D1, so it's still club. Gotcha. Um, okay, that makes but sense. But that team played LIU, which is an NCAA D1 team. Didn't they beat well, yeah, LIU? LIU is like brand new, right? 
yeah, yeah right. That's... But they did win. Uh, Liberty yeah. did win one game. Gotcha. It just speaks more to the fact that like these programs are legit. Like it's legitimately competitive hockey. You know, new NCAA yeah, exactly. school or not. Still, um, yeah. so, so obviously you know it wasn't the result you wanted, but uh, you guys clearly were more competitive than even your first trip to nationals. Um, do you think this team is on the right trajectory and that someday this is going to be a national championship winning team? And hey, you've improved by one win each time, so maybe next year, right? Yeah, no, hundred percent. I think so. Um, we were looking at generally like the teams there and our average age of our team this year is like 20 and a half. Wow. And most of the other teams are 22, 23. Cause they've got guys who played four years of juniors and whatnot. Right. So I think having that young group is going to keep bringing in new players and like, winning these hard games against Gulf coast Liberty is going to show like people that were competitive. And so one thing that's really important for us is finding like the junior Canes players from the junior team. And I was looking and I see a lot of them are like committing to Gulf coast, committing to Liberty. And so I think one of our biggest goals is to like start attracting those players as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, Gulf Coast has kind of been like that for a while. It's been like a destination. You know, it's kind of what I was speaking to a little bit earlier. It's, it's like they have like facilities and stuff that are pretty sick. And now you guys are kind of getting that too over the, at the uh, competition center and stuff. That's how I guess you build a competitive team, even in club hockey. So the last question I really have for you, man, um, out of your NC State career, I mean, you are a senior, even though you are coming back next year, but from your four years there playing hockey, what is your absolute best memory over the entire span? Oh, that's tough. I think the default answer would be beating Liberty at regionals two years ago, but the more interesting answer would be the trip to Gulf coast this year. Um, because we went down there on the bus, which is, I think it was 14 hours on the bus, which in itself is like a whole experience, but the, we played Friday and lost. And then Saturday we went out to the beach and I'll shorten the story because it's a very long story, but essentially we got stranded at the beach. Our bus broke down. Everybody's sunburnt. We paid $60 for Ubers back to our hotel. (laughs) And then we go out and play against this team. That's won nationals for the past three years and beat them on their home ice. And every and, check hurts more because you're sunburnt as hell. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like your shoulder pads do not feel good. No, they like, do not. But the feeling after that game was just incredible. Like everybody just knew that we had a fantastic story for the rest of our lives about this game. Oh yeah, man, that's awesome. <laughs> that's awesome. All right. Well, I think that's about all we really have for you. Um Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and shoot the shit with us for a little bit. Um, again, congratulations on an awesome season. And uh, I look forward to seeing you guys again next year, man. Take it all the way next year. You guys got the talent. Yeah, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank right, you. Buddy. Eric Todd, ladies and gentlemen, captain of the North Carolina State Ice Pack men's hockey club team. Um, seriously, though, I mean, I wanted to get him on, not just for selfish reasons. I did play on the team a couple years ago, but it, they don't get the attention they deserve. I'll die on that hill. Like this team is legitimately talented. Um, I, I was kind of alluding to it a little bit before some of those kids could have played hockey at a legitimately high level and did play it. Like I said, in the BCHL, you know, that's a legitimate junior league, junior A in Canada. 
Yeah, I mean, um, it develops NHL prospects. Exactly. I mean, we, like we've had a couple players, that. prospects play in that league too. Right, I mean, isn't you know. that a, is that where Kale McCarr came from? Yeah, no, he came from the Alberta. He was in the AJ. Yeah, but I mean, kind of the, it's it's the same. Ray. Right, right. Um, but yeah, anyway, glad to have him on. Enjoyed that. All right, so back to the Canes. Uh, obviously, we just watched a pretty fun little uh, two-game set with the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Hurricanes took three out of a possible four points in pretty impressive fashion. Um, but I wanted to talk about this a little bit because last year in the playoffs, in the bubble, uh, against Boston, they played a very physical style, as one does in the playoffs. And I thought it kind of backed the Hurricanes down off their game just a little bit, enough to where Boston really controlled that series, you know. And that was something I was kind of watching very closely against Tampa Bay after that first game because it was very physical. They kind of took control at times with that edginess and, you know, nature just got laid out. And, you know, it was just kind of an ugly game in a lot of ways for the Hurricanes. The only reason they got a point was because of Peter Morazic. But the very next night, in very impressive fashion, I, I thought it was almost in a way exercising some demons because they came back and just played – pretty flawless Hurricanes hockey. I mean, they were on their forecheck. They were the aggressors in a lot of cases, playing the body. I mean, that was pretty much the ideal storyline for what the Hurricanes want to do. So I I was actually very, very encouraged by that game, and I think it bodes really well for the playoffs and moving forward. Yeah, I mean, I I agree. It was one of those games where the Canes couldn't be taken off of their system. And we've seen that a couple times this season. I think the one where it was quite literally a perfect game of hockey was up against Nashville at home. Uh, I think it was a 5-1 or 5-2 win. I can't remember. But, I mean, it was just an utter dismantling of the Nashville Predators. I mean, the Canes were better in every facet of the game. And that's kind of what we saw against Tampa in the second, um, the second, I guess, half of that little back-to-back there. Yeah, this is the last 40 minutes, probably. The last two periods are really, really good. Yeah, and I mean, even, you know what, though? Like, in the first game, the Canes weren't very good, but they still found a way to get a point against a team that is good. Right. Yes, they're without Stamkos and Kucherov, but I mean, they're still a really good team without two of their top players. And we're missing Tevo Teravainen, you know? Like, we're missing players, too. Yeah. Um. And I think, you know, you kind of mentioned the physicality and that does kind of make me appreciate the acquisitions of three players. You know, we've got Brady Shea, who I think consistently brings a bit of an edge, you know, he's good. You know, he's not going to lay somebody out every game, but he does play a nice physical game. And then you add Cedric Paquette and while Paquette might not be good at the whole, you know, playing hockey thing. I think he's really good at getting under the opponent's skin. He's pretty physical and he can, you know, he can do a little bit of, I guess kind of like the dirty work, the gritty work that, you know, the Canes kind of lacked in their lineup. Like everybody kind of needs that one player. Right. And without Brock McGinn right now, the need for that is even more apparent. Um, And then Yanni Hockenpah, you know, like, we're not going to see him put a guy into a bench every game. We're not going to see him, you know, lay out Eric Halla at center ice as much as I'd love to, but like, again, it's just the Canes are adding a little bit of sandpaper to their lineup, but they didn't give up a ton. I mean, they gave up a first, but you know, say what you will, Braden Schneider probably won't be as good as Brady Shea. Yeah. 
Maybe. And then, you know, they gave up Hayden Flurry in a sixth. And since Alex isn't going to be on the pod tonight, I can safely say that that was a fantastic trade. Because <laughs> I, still, I still believe that you were going to lose Flurry for nothing. And it's better to get something for him now rather than lose him for nothing later, you know? Yeah. And Hockenbaum, man, he's been good. He's been jumping up into the play. You know, I, I made a point on Twitter about uh, the Nino Niederreiter goal the other night where he created Fantastic. all that space. His net drive uh, took, I believe it was Eric Chernak with him um, and just created a ton of space that Nino read and cut across the slot wide open. Beautiful finish. I mean, that was picturesque hockey right there. I mean, and the, the game against drive. Nashville, uh, too, the other night, um, even before his goal, he was driving the middle and almost put in a rebound and and so you know if we can unlock some sort of offense from his game that's an added bonus because I feel like you know for sure the Canes are fine offensively and I mean with Jake being kind of struggling right now um, it's really important to get what you can out of your defense because I mean, Bean has been kind of not great lately. <laughs> yeah, we'll I'd even to argue to say too. that he's he's been pretty not bad. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that far because I mean he's going through his rookie slump. Like he's he's making some boneheaded plays. He's lost his confidence with the puck, and you know he just kind of needs to reset a little bit. You know, yeah. And this, yeah, is I mean, the rookie season. wall is a very real thing, and you know. The NHL is hard. <laughs> I mean, it's it's that simple, really. And especially for defensemen, they take a while. And in ninety five percent of the time, you know, of course, you have the Kale McCars of the world and the guys that Miro Heiskanen, use Heiskanen, and Wright, all these guys that, you know, they're they're far from the rule. They are much much more the exception. Um, Bean still has a ton of upside. It, it's way too early to uh, you know, throw in the towel on him. And you know, there's a reason that Rod's ridden him this long. It's because they still right. believe in him. I truly believe that. And they want, you know, this summer for somebody to hopefully give them a little cap relief. I think, you know, I think they might end up attaching a prospect or a pick or something to get Seattle to take Jake Gardner off their books. Right. Um, And in that case, Bean's going to be the guy, you know, they made that decision already when they traded Hayden Flurry to uh, Anaheim and they're just going to have to live with these, mistakes because there is a ton of payoff like his offensive ability the way you know he works the offensive zone and quarterbacks power plays you know you don't find that very often he's he's very very good at what he does but right now (laughs) he's just struggling so much and getting hemmed in that you know you kind of got to give him that break to reset and you know hopefully you don't you don't want to break a guy's confidence too much you know no and I mean going back to what you said about you know it takes players a long time to or especially defensemen, a long time to develop, right? We saw how long it took for Hayden Flurry to get comfortable at the NHL level. Um, not every player is going to – I mean, here, let's go back. Justin Falk was terrible his rookie year with the Canes. And then, you know, he put together a couple good seasons, and, you know, he was kind of the Canes whipping boy there at the end, but, you know, whatever. Not every player can be like Jacob Slavin and Brett Pesci and jump into the NHL right away. For sure. But even then, you know, Slavin did it three years after his draft. Pesci did it two years after his draft. Like, it's a process. Right. And I don't know. I I think Bean's going to be fine. And this kind of makes me wonder, you know, obviously there was the COVID shutdown and this is the world's weirdest season, you know. 
playing 56 games in such a short amount of time, I mean, I, I think there's going to be extra growing pains because you don't have as much time to really sit down and look at what mistakes you're making and fix them. You just kind of have to do, adapt on the fly. And Bean can do that, but I think we're kind of seeing the effects of a uh, compacted season here. Yeah. Yeah. Things are snowballing for snowballing for him a little bit. Um, you know, his mistakes are kind of getting compounded with more mistakes. You know, I, I likened it the other night. I, I think it was that Nashville game we were talking about where they were just dominating and then the puck rolled on him in his own end. And he went right. around behind the net and was trying to make a play and then he was getting pushed. And if you watch the angle of that like little backhand saucer pass he made, it wasn't that bad of a pass it just went over the stick of his intended target. He didn't get the saucer pass down in time. So it went right onto Roman Yossi's stick. He goes, walks into the slot and roofs a shot on Alex Nedeljkovic. And, you know, stuff like that, like, it's tough because the Hurricanes had dominated that game and then Jake Bean makes one mistake. And you know in his own head he's like, shit. Like, right. You then, know he knows exactly what he did the second it happened. Right. right? And, and it's, it's, it's tough as a hockey player when you make a big mistake like that and you cost your team a goal and possibly momentum. And, you know, what if the Hurricanes hadn't come back and won that game? It would have been, it would have been really tough on them. And that's, you know, one of the blessings the Hurricanes have is to have a coach like Rod Brendan Moore and those leaders they have in the locker room. Because, you know, even when Sveshnikov was going through his struggles, you know those guys were just right there telling him to keep shooting, keep playing, keep playing your game. Um, right. And I mean, Svetch has been great lately. Exactly. You know, he comes out of it too. So Rod's been really good with young players. I know there was a time when I questioned a lot of his decisions on, you know, not playing Sveshnikov in the top six, playing him with Martin Oak and, you know, whatever the case may be at the time. But you can't argue with the results and the way that guys like Natchez and Sveshnikov and Aho, all these guys have developed as centers defensively. And just as all-around hockey players, I mean, Brendan Moore's as good as anybody in the business at developing these young guys. Yeah, and I think I think it was kind of funny how a lot of people, when Brendan Moore was hired, myself included, kind of groaned. Yeah, me too. Um, oh, the cheat! That's a typical Hurricanes move. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> at the at the time, th- this is you know we just got a new owner. Yeah. We just fired Bill Peters or Bill Peters resigned, but you know, we, we were really feeling like things were going to change like legitimate change. And then they went out and hired Brendan Moore and everyone was like, I mean, he's been here forever. That's not really a change. Right. And he was the coach in charge of the power play. And we were all like, he hasn't done a damn thing. <laughs> the power play has been terrible. Right. And, and so the optics of it didn't look great, but then you see how differently the team plays for Rod Brindamore than a Bill Peters, than Paul Maurice, than Kirk Muller, than Peter LaViolette. And you realize like how good of a coach Rod Brindamore is. Absolutely. I mean, the guys have said it all along. They would run through a freaking wall for him. You know, they love playing for him. He's a great motivator. They respect him because he's been there and done that. He's not just, you know, I don't want to like say coaches that haven't played the game are like talking out of their ass or don't know what they're talking about, but there is some level of respect that comes from a guy that's had the career of Rod Brendamore. He's won a Stanley cup as a captain of a team. You know, he's played how many NHL games and scored how many NHL points. Like 
He was one of the best defensive forwards in the NHL. Like, you know, and I think part of it is a respect thing where like, you're like, Hey man, like this guy knows what he's doing. I need to listen to him. But it's also, you know, the belief he has in his players. Yeah. He knows that they can do what any team wants to do. He knows they can win the Stanley cup. And like, it's, it's not hard to like Rod Brindamore. I mean, I've liked him since I was a kid watching the hurricanes, you know, I mean, some of my best Canes moments, like just memories revolve around Rod Brindamore scoring goals in 2006 playoffs, you know? Oh yeah. I don't know. Like it's important because like now you have a guy who's been connected to the team for so long, kind of leading the new generation of the hurricanes to greatness. I don't know. It's, uh, it's cool when you stop and think about that. Yeah, absolutely. And so just back on the point, like Jake Bean, struggles happen it's we don't need to be you know he's terrible he needs to be traded or whatever else garbage has been popping up lately bust yeah like give him some time i don't think there's been anything like that kane's twitter is a much less silly place. yeah it hasn't been too crazy but i I do see some concern and angst out there a little bit so give him a little bit of time let him reset we might not see him again until next season to be totally honest depending on how long shay's out i mean we'll see how it goes with joaquin ryan tonight and we'll see can i can i rant about that really quick (laughs) go for it buddy because even in real time that hit was bad oh god okay that's what you're ranting about yeah Yeah. dude oh boy so brady shay is very clearly boarded and like immediately like hunches over because he can tell something's wrong he he's still dazed for, yeah he sticks out for a couple shifts i think and then he leaves the game and, I, I, and there's no call and there's a player injured like i understand sometimes refs miss a call he's staring at it that's a blatant call that i don't under, like Again, I don't want to assume that NHL refs have anything against the Canes because I don't think they do. But when you look at something like that happening in front of an NHL official, you've got to wonder if these guys are just stupid. They're they're terrible at their jobs. Like, like objectively speaking, NHL referees are useless. Like this happens across the league, yep. and like I don't know what you can do to fix it anymore. Like other than just wipe it and start all over again, defund the NHL referees. That's what I'm saying. No, like, (laughs) but anyways, so going back to that, like then you have Rod Burnham who already has been in trouble with the league, which is a stupidest damn thing for speaking truths for, for the NHL finds you when you talk badly about officiating. How? As a phys- that isn't the lamest thing ever. That's some defensive, like low self confidence. Like I hate it here. This is the right worst. Is that is this is the worst pro league. <laughs> it's the worst run for damn sure. I I, like, I don't know, man. They the MLB's owners are ter- like objectively terrible and try to make the sport <laughs> not accessible to fans. Yeah, but and I've said this. If there's one thing that gets in the NHL's way, it's the NHL. (laughs) Because you have an opportunity to make the sport fun and exciting and promote it on all platforms. And I think the ESPN thing, that's a positive for the league. 
And maybe we'll see some legitimate change because they now are going to hopefully get a bigger fan base. Yeah. But when you see stuff like this with NHL's officiating, when you see Jordan Stahl get cross-checked four times in front of the Tampa Bay net with a referee staring at him, nothing gets called. They're just like, oh, play on, whatever. Like, what? And Rod Brindamore, like I said, he's already gotten in trouble for speaking truth about how bad the <laughs> NHL officiating is. After the game saying, well, uh, you know, I know nothing's going to happen and now we've got a guy in concussion protocol. And NHL Department of Player Safety is like, you're damn right nothing's happening. Like, again, a player gets boarded and has a concussion now, which there have been studies showing, well, the NHL likes to pretend that concussions and CTE doesn't exist, but you know. There's been studies that have shown the damage that a concussion can cause. And the Department of Player Safety is like, nah, it's cool, man. A Tampa Bay player did it. Now, if it happened, I guarantee you, if the roles were reversed and that was Brady Shea hitting a Tampa Bay player, Shea would absolutely be missing a game or two. Probably. Absolutely. It say, it's probably true. Dude, you, the only thing I'll really say about it to some people that hit didn't look that bad. And I, and I understand that from some perspective, but when you're hitting a guy that's a foot or two from the boards with his back to you, he's defenseless. He can't brace. He doesn't know the hits coming because you're going straight into the numbers. And when you violently extend upwards, you're, you're effectively slamming his head into the boards, which is what happened, which is an immovable object. And you, you are not supposed to penalize the result. You penalize the act. If Brady Shea had not kind of gone upward and instead had fallen forward and his head had gone headfirst into the boards, that would have been like a 10-game suspension and a five-minute penalty and blah, blah, blah. It's still a dangerous hit, but because at the time nothing really happened and he just kind of skated away and it, it didn't look that bad at first, it's not a penalty. That's bullshit, my friend. Yeah, it's... I, I at just this point, I mean, the exasperated sigh is because I don't know what else to say. I don't know what else we can say other than the NHL's officiating is a joke. Yep. And I hate, I hate blaming the refs. I hate. Yeah, it. me too. I'm, dude, I'm, I'm sick of doing it. I, 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 every time I do it, I cringe a little bit, even when it's like deserved. But like, because it sucks. Like, I mean, you know, they're trying their best. They are. They're but their best is an hell. idiot. <laughs> it's just I don't understand how the league can be okay with it. Yeah. Because it's actively taking away the fun from the sport. And game management is the stupidest thing ever. No other league does that. Yeah. No other league has offici- officials trying to manage the game to make it more even. There's a reason why certain teams are better than others, dipshits. <laughs> like, if I'm Carolina going up against Detroit, I don't want Detroit to be put on a pedestal or a step stool so they can be at the same level as the Hurricanes. Game management is stupid. And, like, 
I don't know what the NHL is going to have to do. And I'm sorry for this rant, but like, it just takes away my enjoyment of the sport. And like, I love the Canes. I love hockey. I do. But stuff like that just burns me out because I'm seeing Canes players go down and get hurt. And the NHL turns a blind eye to it every time. Yeah. I mean, it sucks, but what are you going to do? I mean, it's, it's like you said, like, I don't know how we get past this. Like, there's always going to be an element of human error in NHL officiating because they are humans, but you know, it's the same way with MLB umpires and NBA refs and NFL refs and every other league has issues with officiating. But I mean, what are you going to do? Are you going to double the length of time they have to train? You know, most of these guys have been refereeing right. hockey for decades, you know, and I mean, it's I not can... like they just jump straight into the NHL. They've been doing it at college or juniors or I don't know, apparently in the NHL's case, beer league, but I don't know. they <laughs> have been calling midget hockey. <laughs> Um, doing I was going to say I mean, Raleigh you know, hockey men's adult C league championship game. We've seen how, I mean, it does, this, this stuff does happen in other sports. And I mean, Brandon, I'm, you're going to hate me for this, but I mean, we've seen it with the Atlanta Braves this season. Oh God. Where the guy at five different angles doesn't touch home plate. Alec Baum has still not touched home plate. Oh my god! And they and that like ended up being, I think, the game-winning run, right? It was. It was in the ninth inning of a tie game, and that oh was the winning god. run. Yeah, and like you know, we we've seen that. And, and when it comes now, granted, you know, this the, the Brady Shea hit didn't have an impact on the game. The Canes ended up winning that game. When you see stuff like that, but happening, it has an impact on games down the road because now, yeah, of course. But I'm time. saying, like in the moment, you can't blame the ref for that game right like but this is pr- probably worse because the braves have 161 other games right the hurricanes so have like games. 10 left and now they're without a top four defenseman one of their best penalty killers and a guy that's just all around been fantastic lately yeah it's, ridiculous. It, I don't know. It, it's bad and i mean uh, we should I, probably can, move on because all i can hope can talk is about that day, i know but. i know joachim ryan is coming into the lineup but all I can hope is that he's better than Klaus Dahlbeck because that's my standard for seventh defenseman is that you just have to cross that very low bar. Good Lord. Well, <laughs> that's a Kane's sh- deep cut for you. I hope he's all right. Klaus <laughs> Dahlbeck, man. That's. That you remember he had like those three games where we all thought he was going to be okay and it was just all downhill from there. He was, we kind of thought he was going to be like what Yanni Hockenpah is. <laughs> right. You know, it's like rugged guy. We saw him hit a couple guys, and we were like, huh, this might work. We missed this, and then all of a sudden, he's just bleeding goals, and we're just like, oh. Yeah, we're just like, oh, there goes another one. (laughs) Another one. (laughs) All right, so let's move on here. Um, Next on the docket, Peter Mrazek is down with what has been deemed a lower body injury. So, Alex and Delkovich, the stage is yours. This has already been a thought that's rumbled around in my head just a little bit. And that is Peter Mrazek's not going to continue to play at a 945 save percentage level. He's just not. He's He can still be a great goalie, but he's been playing at his peak level for a while now. And I don't see that continuing to happen. And he's just been an inconsistent goalie his entire career. And again, I'm not saying he's going to start bleeding goals and giving up four or five a game, but he is going to come down some. And the question becomes – is Alex Nedeljkovic going to continue to play at the level he has been? And if so, how are the Hurricanes going to handle that 
situation. And I mean, we've already kind of had this conversation, but just about James Reimer. But now maybe we should at least start to present the idea that maybe Ned should be the guy in the playoffs. What do you think about that? So first, I mean, this isn't really a dig at Morazic, more as a cause for concern was that his last couple of starts, he didn't look that great. No, he didn't. He was not good against Detroit Mm -mm. and struggled a little bit against Tampa. And I mean, now we see that he was injured. So I'm wondering if, you know, maybe he aggravated something in that game and just fought through it. Yeah. But the question does still remain is Mrazek kind of coming back down to earth? Because, I mean, obviously we know he wasn't going to get a shutout every other game. Right. I mean, I wish, you know, that'd be awesome. (laughs) But I like Ned. I do. I still hesitate to give him the starter role right now. Yeah. I kind of liked what they were doing with giving he and uh, Mrazek back-to-back starts, like alternating the starts for now. Because, I mean... You do want to see if Ned can maybe, you know, win the starter role. Yeah. This this does give him an opportunity too. And I mean, in the same breath, I also don't think Ned's gonna be putting up a nine thirty save percentage every, you know. Probably not. So But he can be a nine fifteen, nine twenty guy, and that's that's an above average NHL starter. Right. And that's all the Canes really need to win the cup. Absolutely. I think so too. If he can be a nine twenty goaltending. Yeah, a little bit above average goaltending. You know, maybe if they have an off night, he can steal a game or two, and he's shown the ability to do that. And I think a team with him doing that is good enough to win a cup, like you said. Yeah, and, and, you know, it's really good because (laughs) Canes fans, you know, five years ago would have killed for something like this. (laughs) Absolutely. Um, I I cannot believe the goalie depth we have now. And here's a funny tweet today when uh, Peter Morazic was announced hurt from Cam Robinson. It was, ah, to be Carolina, your starter goes down. No worries. Just roll out the 25 year old rookie. Who's 11, four and two with a nine thirty two <laughs> on the <this> season. <laughs> like it's insane because, and you have to think most of those losses for Ned came early on in the year when he wasn't doing that well. So the fact that he has a 932, I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. So I, I do sincerely hope, I, I, I want to see Nadelkovich become the NHL starter. I mean, that's what I've hoped for since he was drafted, you know? Yeah. And I, I mean, like, for what it's worth, you know, when we were all kind of questioning, is Ned going to be it? I was like, guys, like, Ned's a good goalie. He just, you know, he just needs it. He and I, I've been pushing the Ned's a good goalie kind of train for a while now. Right. I, I gave him a B earlier on in the year because I, I still wasn't convinced. I wasn't sure if he was going to be more than just a flash in the pan, but I do think this is a legit thing now. Yeah. And I think the B was valid at the time. Would I consider bumping it up now? Sure. I sincerely hope at least that Ned can be a starter for this team because that's all I think every Canes fan has wanted since he was drafted. I mean, he's not going to be, you know, Martin Brodeur. Well, I mean, it's pretty unrealistic to assume any goalie is going to be the best goalie ever. <laughs> right. But so if Ned can even just be like eight for the rest of his career, <laughs> we're set, you know? Yeah, that's a win for sure. Because I do think at this point he's really worked himself into being like 
that's the guy the Hurricanes are going to protect this summer. Like, I think he's going to be the one, at least the one A next year. I think they're going to give him a chance and they'll have, you know, if not Morazic, somebody like that, that can carry the load if he falters or, you know, whatever the case may be. But at a baseline, I think he's really worked himself into this is going to be our guy moving forward. And he's earned that. I mean, he's been nothing short of fantastic this year. And I think he's one of the biggest reasons the Kings legitimately have a chance to win the cup. Yeah. And I agree. I think they keep, you know, a Peter Morazic or James Reimer type player. It doesn't have to necessarily be those guys. Right. I think they kind of keep a stable presence as either the backup or the one a or one B, you know, whatever you want to call it just in case. Yeah. Well, it'll be interesting to see how it unfolds the rest of the way. Um, but I mean, Hey, nobody really expected him to even be pushing this possibility. And it, it is helped along by the fact that Morazic just went down, which is really sucks for the hurricanes at this juncture of the season, because, you know, rhymer has been pretty good lately though, to be fair, but still Morazic and Dukovic is probably the tandem you wanted to bank on the rest of the way. And now you just hope that Reimer can continue to, be who he has been. I think Alex actually tweeted it out earlier. He has like a nine eighteen in his last ten starts or something like that. He's no, been Reimer's pretty good. Been fine. <laughs> yeah, he's been pretty good. Yeah. So Do hopefully you... he can just continue to be that and not bleed goals like he did right. early in the year for a while. Well, do you um, remember how bad Ned's first couple of starts were? Well, for sure, but this is kind of what I always well, that's said. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's the same standard. Yeah, right? it's like for a few games, it, it took him a while to settle in. For Reimer, it was a little bit longer than that. But still, you know, it takes these guys a while to get comfortable, especially a guy with Ned's play style. You know, he's very active, very aggressive, but he had to get that comfort level. And, sure. you know, it's what I called the other day a reserved chaos to his game. He's very aggressive. He's kind of jumpy, but – he makes it work because he's still a damn good goalie and his athleticism and his eyes allow him to read the play and make the saves he needs. Yeah. And I, I think it's interesting still James Reimer leads the team and wins <laughs> Like <laughs> for all the complaining that we as a fan base have done about Reimer, like he's been fine. Yeah. And the Canes goaltending is arguably the best that it's ever been. Um, I'm sure that's arguable. It might just be. Right. I mean, we just need to enjoy it at this point, you know? So um, (laughs) I kind of wanted to uh, ask you a question here. Kind of an impromptu thing. All right. We were talking about it the other day, uh, you, Alex, and I, about after this is after the deadline now, would you change your grade knowing what you know now about Ned and flurry? Would you change your grade of the 2014 NHL draft or what would you grade the NHL draft? I guess. I was going to say, I'm not sure I ever gave a grade to that class. Um, all right. So who are we talking here? We're talking Hayden flurry, Alex Nadelkovich. Let me just go. Warren Fogel, Warren Fogel, Lucas Walmart, Lucas Walmart. Okay. Josh Wesley. Okay. We did. We had this conversation the other day. All right, so you've got five guys who have seen NHL time. You've got three NHL regulars, and then one like 13th forward type in Walmart. That's a win in itself. Yeah. You know, any any given draft, if you get two NHL regulars, you're pretty thrilled in most cases, depending on where you select and where, you know, how many picks you have, that kind of thing. So, I mean, that's a pretty good hit rate. And yeah. 
we always knew Flurry was a legitimate, possibly top four defenseman. And I think he's shown in Anaheim early that that's what he's tracking towards being for them. He was just a victim of the numbers game here. You know, more second pair than first pair, but he's been good. And he's logged over 20 minutes a night over there. So, I mean, I'm not going any higher than like a B because it's not like you even have a, even with Flurry, a, a legitimate top half of the roster player. He's more a mid defender he's he's like a four to me and yeah I'm i mean ned ned is the biggest win for that or at least he looks like he's tracking towards being the biggest win there, the most impactful of that group and fogo's been fantastic lately you know I, i've ragged on him a lot over this year and in the past as well but of late he's had as much jump as anybody on the canes roster and he's brought that energy and been playoff one fogel you know it's april now so he must think that uh that calendar is flipped because you know, we get to April, mid-April, and all of a sudden Warren Fogel is like elite. I still think he'd be the best player in the NHL if there wasn't a puck on the ice, but you know, that's another story altogether. <laughs> um for me. I mean, yeah, I, I give I give that draft a solid B. It was it was a good, right. not great, not bad. It was a good draft. Yeah, I mean, for me, I'm hovering around the B to B minus range. And the only reason why I would consider it being a B minus is that your first round pick, which was a top 10 pick, played in less than 200 NHL games for your team. That's fair. And there's something to be said, you know, people say like 200 NHL games is the mark of a like good pick. Yeah. And good, obviously having quotations because, you know, Patrick Stefan played in over 200 <laughs> NHL games, and that was a considered Horrendous one of the biggest busts. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Warren Fogle is playing in his 190th game as we are recording this podcast. So he needs 10 more games to hit 200. So that's good. I think all things considered, if you get 200 games out of somebody in the third round, that's fantastic. Yeah. I don't think there's a better player in the NHL than Warren Fogle at drawing penalties. I could be wrong, but I mean... Given the amount of ice time he gets, it's crazy how many penalties Warren Fogle draws. Yeah. I mean, it's just due to hard work. And yes, like he's not the best scorer. Yes, he struggles to finish. Yes, he his hockey sense can be a little questionable at times, but like he's good on the penalty kill. You're not gonna find a harder worker. And you know what? If he gets your power play out there, it's that's fine. That's valuable. Right. But yeah. If if Ned stays beyond this season, then it looks better because you're getting more games out of him. Yeah. If you win the cup with Ned, it automatically looks great. And that draft is awesome because you've won it with two NHL players from that draft. Right. Um, getting any NHL games out of Clark Bishop was cool. Yeah. Fifth round um, pick, like. And even getting the amount of game for, for how not good Walmart is it's pretty cool that we were able to get over a hundred games out of him, you know? Yeah. That's decent for the fourth round. And that's I mean, a big payback for your fourth and fifth round picks. No doubt. About right. It. Right. And I, everybody thinks I hate Lucas Walmart. I don't, <laughs> I just know that he's not a good hockey. He's not a good NHL forward. I, mean, I don't hate the guy. I've got nothing against him. I just know that he can't finish at an NHL level and that's why he doesn't stick on any roster. Yeah. Because he doesn't play the physical rugged style of game that 
NHL teams want on their fourth line, but he doesn't have the skill or the finishing ability to play on an NHL third line. So he's kind of in a weird role of where do you put him, you know? Right. But. All right. Only a couple more things left, I believe. So next, why don't we go ahead and you tell us, me and the listeners at home, who is your prospect of the week? It's it's hard. It's harder this week because there there weren't as many players playing. Yeah. Because Chicago was shut down because of COVID. Right. And so, you know, not a ton. I think the biggest performances this week that I saw were from Itu Makinyemi. Uh, um, Alex, for not being here to gush about his boy Makinyemi. That's all right, because I can. Because I've liked him you, since we drafted him. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Makini, I mean, we said this the last time we talked about him. He does not play on a very good team. Yeah. Uh, there's a few good players like Matias Maselli, probably going to be an NHL player at some point. I think he's a Coyotes pick. Um, and there's a couple other, like, you know, okay players. But their defense is atrocious. Yeah. And Makini, was rocking like a 9-2-6 save percentage while allowing eight goals in two games. Yeah. Like, they just peppered him with shots and they're going up against i think the best team in the league right now and they're not doing so hot right but even so makinami in his last five starts has one win but has been fantastic in net um the whole reason why they're playing against the league's best team is because he allowed one goal against cuckoo that team in the first of like the series of two which the winner gets determined by how many goals were scored so it doesn't matter if you win both games <laughs> you can uh, win they won one game four to one on aggregate, and then they lost four to three but since they scored more goals they, they it was the weirdest thing it's, it's on like aggregate right it's kind of like the yeah it's an aggregate scoring thing yeah but so it is. I don't follow soccer, so I could be wrong saying that, but some soccer tournaments like that. He very clearly keeps his team in games. And we saw uh, the other day, he is explosive from getting yeah. to post to post. I mean, he's incredibly athletic, so he, he can stretch out. He can make those saves. But that first push he gets, I mean, you hear Trip Tracy talking about the strength um, in Peter Mrazek all the time when he makes that push to go to the other post to make yeah. a save. It's the same exact way, if not even better than Mrazek. And Makinemi, I think he's 6'3", 6'4", so he has that reach where he can just be an absolute wall in net. And I'm, I'm hoping, I really do hope that the Hurricanes sign him because I like his game, and I think he's a really good prospect. Yeah. Like, I don't know if he's going to be starter level yet, um, but there's something there for sure. I think now that he's gotten his injuries out of the way, he's getting consistent playing time. We're seeing that this is a guy that can be a really good player. And then other prospect of the week, Dominic Bach. Thank you for getting vaccinated. We appreciate you. (laughs) Good stuff. Yeah. I mean, I hope they get uh, McEnany signed, you know, especially now that there's a little bit of clouds. It's a little bit cloudy around Jack LaFontaine. Although we do still reserve his rights, we learned that. Yeah, I was going to talk about that actually. Right. Um, trying to we mentioned up a little segue there, buddy. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> we didn't know. Uh, 
when his season ended and he announced that he was, you know, staying, we didn't know uh, if his rights would be transferred because, um, I mean, this is weird. It's unprecedented, you know? Yeah. Like the NCAA doesn't always grant an extra year of eligibility to every athlete. (laughs) Um, But so Michael Smith from the Hurricanes did confirm that the Hurricanes uh, were going to hold on to his rights for another year, which would explain why the team was still tweeting about him, why, you know, assistant the assistant GM was retweeting tweets about him, why, you know, director hockey ops was talking about him. Like, you know, right. there's very clearly hype surrounding Jack LaFontaine and the organization and they support him going back for another year. Yeah. I think it'd be cool to have, you know, I think a lot of people were thinking, you know, Maki Niami stays in Finland next year. Um, even though he's on an ELC, but I think it'd be pretty cool to have a Jack LaFontaine to Makiniemi pairing in the minors next year. Yeah. That'd be a really fun tandem to watch. I'd definitely be checking that on a lot of, uh, that would be Chicago a really games. cool goalie um, competition down there. Yeah, for sure. They probably alternated either way for the most part. Sure. Maybe. But I mean, you know, the storylines there. Yeah, absolutely. That'd be a lot of fun to watch. And like you said, it would be a good competition between the two. Uh, and you know, probably get a little bit of light shed on who potentially could be the hurricanes goalie of the future, you know, or alongside maybe backup alongside Ned. fingers crossed. Anyway. Yes. Alex, Andre Vatsilovsky, Nadelkovich. Yep. Exactly. (laughs) Tonight's, I mean, this is a big game for him tonight, man. I mean, I know we haven't talked too much about it and the game's going on right now as we record, but uh, you're going up against the Florida Panthers. This is really a, this is really a battle for first place because we have two games in hand on them and we're playing two games with them. If they win both, that actually puts them in the driver's seat. Uh, An ideal scenario would be at least a repeat of the lightning series. You know, if if you, if you split with them, both games in regulation, you're still in really good shape because like you, like I said, you have two games in hand and the hurricanes uh, close out with a, not that difficult schedule. Uh, I think it's all the bottom five teams in the league. Or conference, excuse me. Or division, damn it. Yeah, <laughs> they close out with the bottom. Potato. Yeah, you we close out with the t- bottom five teams in the division. Granted, we have seen that doesn't necessarily mean much because the Hurricanes cannot beat the Detroit Red Wings. So, <laughs> this is a big game for Nadelkovich tonight. You got to figure Reimer's probably starting on Saturday because Ned has gotten back-to-back starts. I don't know. Uh, with two days off, you never really know. And it's a huge game. So we might see that again. I mean, especially if he performs well tonight, which I guess that's the ideal scenario you want, right? You know, he plays great tonight and Rod says, all right, well, we're going to ride you again. Um, If you're serious about the playoffs and, you know, wanting to win, you ride Ned. I think as long as you can. Because we we also know that's not really his style, Brendan Moore's style. We know, but you don't know how long Mrazic's out and, you know, when it comes down to playoff time, Rod stuck with one goalie. Yeah. In 2019, he stuck with Peter Mrazek until he got hurt. And then McElhaney came in. But as soon as Mrazek was back, Mrazek was the guy. Right. 2020, it was the same way. I mean, we saw in the play-in round, they split starts, and then it was Mrazek all the way. Right. So – you know what, if Mrazic's out for more than a couple weeks, which, I mean, I hope not. I hope it's just, you know, a little something. Yeah, a little tweak. I'd net all the way. Yeah, I agree. But 
folks, this has been an incredibly fun episode. We want to once again, thanks ET for stopping by and talking some local hockey with us. It's really important to support these local teams because they don't get funding from the schools at the club level. So their trip to nationals was entirely crowdfunded. And it's really cool seeing local hockey thrive as it has. I mean, this is a non-traditional market, but the Carolina Hurricanes and the Junior Canes programs and all the college programs around here are taking major steps forward. And the women's hockey program, uh, there's a Junior Canes girls team that's going for a national championship right now. Yeah. And And NC State just got a women's hockey club team as well. There we go. And Alyssa Galliardi has done a fantastic job of growing the game for girls hockey here in North Carolina. I mean, we can't just say enough good things about that. Um, So, I mean, just support local hockey guys. It's so much fun. And I really want there to be a D one team here someday. Yeah. And Hey, uh, NC state and UNC, you know, like I said earlier, UNC wasn't playing this year, but they do the uh, backyard brawl at PNC. Oh God, those games are twice a year. It is an absolute blast. I got to play in one of the games um, and I've been to a couple others and it's just, I mean, it's, a, it's that college environment. Like you get at a college basketball game. It's, oh my God, you know, it's so much fun. they're rowdy in the stands. There's thousands of people there. I mean, a ton of people legitimately. It's a lot of fun. Um, they fill up about half the lower bowl usually. Right. And I mean, you know, that's, that's really good for club yeah. hockey. Absolutely. You know? I mean, it's a ton of fun. So next year, be on the lookout for that. Um, and it and helps I think them it's raise free, money. Right? Or no, is it free or it's it's free, but they're uh they do donations at the door to raise money for stuff like gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. like so you don't have to pay to get in you can get in for free but they they ask for donations at the door just five dollars they say if you could if everybody can give us five dollars that goes a really long way so you know you know a lot of people donate a lot of people donate extra um but right. it's, it's just a really good time it's good hockey it's 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 a lot of fun to watch so definitely get out and uh support those teams like matt said yeah, and last quick shout out because I mean he he um, didn't get a lot of credit for this and he didn't really uh, I don't think his name was out there but Zach who runs the Ice Pack Twitter Zach Salway yeah stuff. yeah huge shout out to him uh, he and I worked to kind of like help promote the Ice Pack and get them to nationals I mean he he did a lot of work behind the scenes to try and make that happen because I mean he's passionate about it and he really cares about it and that's. Just huge props to him. That's yeah. that's really that's awesome. Yep. But so, folks, we want to thank you for your support and your time listening to us. Please send your thoughts and prayers to Alex and his vehicle so that his car will be okay. <laughs> you know what, folks? As we've said every time, it's a great time to be a Carolina Hurricanes fan. <laughs>